You're listening to Points Talk with the Travel Mom Squad, previously known as the Travel Hacking Mom Show. Follow the links in the show notes to stay up to date with what the Travel Mom Squad has been up to. Does the idea of travel hacking seem appealing but also stress you out? So many cards, so many rules, and not enough time to learn it all? It might seem overwhelming, but we're here to show you how you can do it too. In today's episode, we're addressing some of the most common travel hacking pain points. By the end of this episode, we'll have you ready to take the plunge into the wonderful world of travel hacking. Welcome to the Travel Hacking Mom Show. We are three moms who've discovered how to leverage credit card welcome offers to get hundreds of thousands of dollars in travel expenses for nearly free. We've used credit card points and miles to take vacations to places like Hawaii, Paris, Greece, the Maldives, Italy, and so much more. And the best part? We each still have an 800 plus credit score. Imagine being able to book a vacation without having to check your bank account. It's totally possible and we're here to show you how. Hey, I'm Alex. And I'm Pam, Alex's mom. And I'm Jess. We are travel hacking moms. So we know that travel hacking can seem really overwhelming. Today, we're addressing some of your top pain points when it comes to travel hacking. We're hoping that by the end of this episode, you feel a little bit more comfortable with travel hacking and are ready to jump in and make 2024 the year of nearly free travel. So I am going to kick it off with our first pain point, and that is we often hear to get the best use of points, do you have to book super far in advance? Here's what I like to tell people. The more control that you want to have over your trip, the further in advance you have to book. And so are you traveling during peak travel times like summer or spring break or the holidays? Yes, you're going to need to book far in advance. Are you traveling with more than one person? Yeah. If you're traveling with a family of four or five or six, like we frequently are, you're going to need to book further in advance. Are your dates not flexible? Do you have a date that you have to leave or a date that you have to come home? Yes. Got to book farther in advance. Are you looking at some of these aspirational destinations like Hawaii or the Maldives or Bora Bora? Yeah. You're going to need to book far in advance for those. So There is usually the best award availability right when the hotel schedules open and the flight schedules open or super last minute. But often with those super last minute bookings, you don't really have a lot of control over the destination itself. Like if you're just saying, I want to go to Europe in May, I don't care where I go. I'll go to any city in Europe. Yeah, you're probably going to be able to find some last minute award availability for that. But if you want to be at a specific time with your family, I think the further in advance, the better. I personally tend to book about a year in advance. I know, Alex, you don't book quite as far in advance as I do maybe, but. No, I'm more like a nine, six months to nine months. And it's so so much, like you said, depends on the destination. If you're, you know, like we planned a trip to Texas to go to Austin last year. We didn't need to plan that super far in advance, but then I know you guys are going to um, San Antonio for the eclipse. Obviously, that's one you planned super far in advance, so a lot of it just depends when you're going and where you're going. Yeah, totally agree. And I would say that for all three of us, like we've all booked into 2024 already, quite far into 2024. That's very common for us. 
then all of a sudden I may have to go to Europe to help my daughter Lindsay um, in London. And I did that this summer and I'm like, oh my goodness, am I going to find any availability? And at that point, you know, I want to fly business class and I primarily will travel out of a, a couple different airports, but by being really flexible by where I traveled out of, so I started looking out of um, Canada and I ended up, you know, with like a two weeks before I was going to travel, finding something out of Calgary, Canada to London that was every bit as cheap as the ones that I usually book far ahead. So you just have to be so much more flexible if you're booking last minute. And it's definitely possible. And it's a lot easier if but you're, I was looking for one person that made it a lot easier. If I was looking for more people, it would have been much harder. Yeah. And if you're one of those people who likes to chase the deal and you're like, I don't really care where we're going. We just want to travel and we'll go wherever the deal is. Last minute could work really well for you. I'm going to guess a majority of our listeners can't do that with school, kids' school schedules. So if you can chase the deal, you're probably going to go on some great trips and find some great availability last minute. If you're like the rest of us, then you're probably going to want to book in advance. Because I um, am retired other than this job, but I don't have a lot of responsibilities. I don't have children. I can chase those deals. And so something comes up and I'm like, oh, that sounds great. I think I will plan a trip around that great flight. And I may not even know for sure where I'm going, but I'm able to get some really good deals last minute because of that. So yes, it does work for some people who are really flexible, like my position, but much harder for Alex or Jess when you've got families. All right, Alex, let's talk about pain point number two. Okay, so another question we get is how many points is a normal amount to expect to earn and use for a trip? So this is going to vary greatly depending on where you want to go. If you want to go to one of those aspirational properties like Jess mentioned or destinations like Bora Bora and you're going to want to fly business class, you're going to need a lot of points. If you're just taking a family trip to San Diego with your, you know, and you're flying Southwest and you're going to stay at you know, the Grand Hyatt Manchester in San Diego, you're not going to need as many points. So it's just very, very dependent on your destination and the number of people traveling. But generally, you can expect to find flights for around 25,000 points per person round trip in economy. If you're thinking of going internationally, it can vary between 60 to 70,000 points round trip in economy. And these are like the standard you know, you can definitely find cheaper flights than these, but you can also find way more expensive flights than these. This is kind of the median amount. Um, for international business class, this one varies a lot. You can find some really good deals for around 50,000 points, but then you can also be spending 100,000 plus points. So it just really depends on, you know, how far you're flying and what the current deals are at the time. And then with hotels, it once again depends if you're flying or not flying, staying in a budget hotel or a luxury property. You know, a Hyatt place, a Hyatt house, you know, those types of properties can range you from five to 12,000 points a night at standard pricing. If you can stay off peak, you can find even cheaper nights. 
the more luxury brands are going to be around thirty to 40000 So your Park Hyatts, your Thompsons, your Grand Hyatts and Hyatt Regencies are usually kind of vary a bit between those two, depending where you're going. Like a Hyatt Regency in a city, I feel like you can sometimes find them for around 15000 But if you're going to go to Hawaii, you're looking at 30000 I think it's really important that people be realistic about business flights. I think that's where we find more people being kind of unrealistic. When Alex says 50K, that's not really easy to find. Um, it, it We can find it and we do find it. But we get a lot of people who have, say, 80,000 points and they're hoping to get two business class flights one way or, or one round trip business flight. And so you just need to be realistic about what's normal to pay for a business class flight. I mean, everybody wants to fly business class. It's amazing. But just be realistic going in that it's going to cost you more likely seventy to a hundred thousand, and depending on some airlines, maybe as much as a hundred and twenty thousand one way. So just know that going in, being realistic, and so you're not disappointed. Well, even still with those business class flights, like I said before, with these, this is like median amount. Well, fifty thousand would be on the very low end. A hundred thousand is more average, but they can go up. You know, you could look on United and see them for one hundred and seventy-five thousand. Do we pay that? No, <laughs> we don't pay that. We wait and find a better deal or change our dates. You know, I personally am not going to be spending 175 United miles for a business class flight. Never. But that's a very common amount you can see on their site. This question always makes me laugh because I feel like it's as if someone were to come to us and say, I want to buy a house. How much should I expect to spend? And I'm like, well, it depends. Where is this house located? How big is this house? Obviously, a five-bedroom house is going to cost more than a two-bedroom house. So you can think about it that way. You, there's not, We can't give you an answer and say, okay, you're going on a trip. Here's how much you're going to spend. It's not that easy. But I think the amounts that Alex laid out for like the average domestic round trip, the average international business one way is a good starting point for you to sort of try to get an idea of how much a trip is going to cost you. Yeah, I think so too. I think you can estimate if you can if you know what hotel you want to stay at, that's going to make it really easy to know how many points you want to how many points you're going to need if it's a Hyatt. The other hotel brands, the pricing really varies. Hyatt's the only one that's actually predictable and you can know exactly how many points you're going to need. But I would say like if someone wanted to go to Hawaii, they want to take their family, if they can all fit in one room, if they're going to fly Southwest Airlines, I think it's doable to spend around 300000 for a week in Hawaii at a Hyatt flying Southwest. But even that it very, can vary greatly. depends where you're flying from on Southwest. What are the price? You know, how many people are going? Do you have companion passes? And what are the, you know, are you going at peak time? Did you book your tickets last minute or did you pay in advance? So it really can vary. But I think that's a good estimate if you want to take your family to Hawaii that you probably want to have at least 300,000 points. Our next pain point, and this is a big one, is I'm overwhelmed with searching for award flights. How can I practice running award searches? We always say that the easy part of travel hacking is earning those points and miles. 
The harder part is booking them. And I think one of the reasons it's so hard is that everybody gets all caught up in, am I getting the very best deal? And they kind of get into analysis paralysis. One of the things that we use all the time is search engines to help us point us in the right direction. I personally like to um, use probably two or three search engines, and it's because not all of them will show the same um, results. And so I want to make sure that I'm seeing a lot of different options. I like to use two free ones. Rome is great. I always use Rome. Um, Points, yeah, is a new search engine, and that is a really good one. So those are free ones. And then there's a couple paid ones that we um, use. One of them is Point Me, really like that, and Award Logic. So when I'm doing a search, I will usually use, you know, the two free ones and a paid one. And um, it's always blows my mind how different they can show. One will show something that I think is amazing. One of the search engines won't show it at all. And so that's why it's really important to use more than one. Now, just because you find it on a search engine, that isn't gospel. That isn't, oh my goodness, that's what I'm going to do. That is just the search engine just leads you in the right direction. You then have to go to the airline's website to make sure that it is available and that it's not a fa- that it's not phantom. Um, I'll also say that when I'm booking something like Southwest, like if I know I'm going to fly Southwest somewhere, I don't go through all these steps. I feel like these steps are more common when you're maybe looking for some business class flights that are a little bit harder to find. I do agree, though, that like if you don't know at all what airline you're going to be flying, that these are a really good place to start. I just don't want people to think that like every single award trip we're booking, we're going through all of these steps because I know I definitely don't like when I know I'm booking Southwest, I just go to Southwest website and book it. Yeah, I only do it if I'm going to be flying internationally. And I also think like like my mom mentioned before, they're not always accurate. They're not always showing you all the flights. And so I think it's really important to also know how to do this yourself and have have an idea of how to run or how to find find the best flights and figure out how this all works. And so we go into it in detail in Award Travel Academy. We show you how to run the search, how to find what flights are going out of your airport, what points transfer to which airline so that you can do this yourself so that if these search engines there's been an I mean we love them the search engines are great but they don't always find everything and that's happened to me on numerous occasions and so knowing how to find it yourself I think is also really crucial to you know really getting more out of your points so I think that it's really a good idea when you get started is to just do a few search practices. Just try it out before you're going to do it for real. Just decide that, hey, I want to see, I want to try a a practice. I'm going to go from JFK into Rome and use these ideas and get used to finding them. Uh, Find them on the search engine, then go to the site, make sure it's there. Just get some experience doing it. And just kind of have fun with it. And I think that that, you know, will make you feel more confident when you're ready to do it for real. 
And the more you do it, the easier it gets. You know, I mean, when we when we first started, we were not great at this. We we had to practice too, you know. And so I get that it's overwhelming sometimes, but I agree with Alex. I think it's really, really important that you are able to do this on your own and don't have to rely on the search engines. But like Pam said, the search engines do certainly make it easier. And those didn't always – I feel like all of these are relatively new. Like when we first started, we didn't have any of this stuff. And so they definitely do make it easier. I think, too, that the longer you do it, you start knowing where some good um, sweet spots are. So if I'm going to go to Spain, I'm probably not even going to do this. I'm going to know that Iberia is a really good way for me to get to Spain. So I may just go straight to Iberia. If I'm um, trying to go over to London and out of Houston, I just know instinctively after doing this for a while that flying um, Singapore might be a really good deal. So I'm going to go right on that site. So I think that after a while, the more you do it, you kind of know where to look. The other thing that I think is really, really important is to not drive yourself crazy. Don't think, spend so much time thinking, oh, they want 80,000 um, points for this round trip business class seat. One way. It One wouldn't way. be round trip for 80,000. Did I say round trip? I'm sorry. <laughs> One way. And, um, but I've heard, you know, on Travel Hacking Mom, they got it for 70,000. I don't know. I've got to keep looking. You know, we don't always find it for that cheap. And you've just got to say, hey, free is free. So I pay an extra 10,000 um, points. It's not that big of a deal because you can keep earning more points. And so I don't necessarily drive myself nuts. Sometimes I'm willing to pay the 120,000 points for business class because it's easy to find it. So it's a one stop. It works within my time constraints. And I don't say, oh my goodness, let me look for three days to make sure I'm getting the best deal. So you just have to not drive yourself completely crazy, not have that feeling like I have to have the very best possible redemption. And if you can let go of some of that, it makes it a lot easier. Totally agree. All right. We're going to move on to the next pain point, which is I'm not sure how to get the best value for my points and miles. So here's where I throw in the PAMs. You do you. Go ahead. Say it, Pam. You do you. Always you do you. <laughs> so travel hacking is not one size fits all. Some people, they want to book and get it done and in the most efficient, easy way possible. Maybe you're not going to get as much value for your points that way. Other people, I tend to fall in this latter category because I'm a little bit competitive and I'm always like, I want to get maximum value for my points. So I may spend a little bit longer, you know, really trying to maximize the value for my points. But it is not one size fits all. I've been doing this a really long time. I didn't start this way. I have worked my way up to this. And so this is why we really prefer flexible points that can be transferred like Chase Ultimate Rewards, Capital One Venture Miles, Amex Membership Rewards are some of our favorites because they give you a lot of options to transfer to those airline and hotel transfer partners. Of course, you can always book through the travel portal. You're going to get a fixed value for your points that way. So for example, if you're booking flights 
through the Amex travel portal, you're going to get one cent per point for those Amex points. If you were to transfer those points over directly to an airline and book an international business class flight, you're going to get upwards of two, three, four cents per point usually. Again, that's a more complicated booking. And so I kind of like to think of it that way. Like to get max value, you might need to spend a little bit more time than you would just booking through a portal. Same for Chase. You can book through the Chase travel portal. If you have a Sapphire preferred or an Ink preferred, you're going to get 1.25 cents per point. If you have a Sapphire reserve, you're going to get 1.5 cents per point no matter what. That's just what you're going to get. If I transfer those Chase points to Hyatt, I'm going to easily get at least two cents per point, often more. And so it's really just a matter of personal preference, I feel like. Um, Like I said, you can usually get a better value by transferring. Another thing to keep in mind is that when you book through those travel portals, it is basically like booking through a third-party site like Expedia. If an issue arises, if your flight changes or gets canceled, you're often left dealing with Chase instead of the airline. For that reason, I don't think any of us ever really book through the portal. We prefer to be able to bring up these issues directly with an airline or directly with a hotel. Do y'all agree? I don't I don't even remember the last time I booked through the portal. I've booked a flight through the Capital One portal using my venture X credit, but that's it. You know, like the you get a three hundred dollar credit that has to be used in the Ven- Capital One venture portal, but you could also use it for hotels or rental cars. I've used it for flights, but it's a flight I knew I was taking. It wasn't like you know, I was very, very confident I wouldn't be canceling it. And it was just a flight to San Diego. So it wasn't some international flight where I have layovers and there's a lot of moving pieces that could go wrong. Cause that's, that's where it can get a little bit stressful is when you have flights with layovers in other countries and partner airlines, and it can get a little tricky when those flights get canceled. Yeah. I'm the same. Like I will book a, I think I booked a hotel recently through the Chase portal to use my $50 Sapphire preferred hotel credit. But again, it was like a one night stay at a hotel I knew I was going to have to stay at. And so I'm a little bit riskier when it comes to those. Um, And I'll book through the portal, but I would, like you said, with that example, the international flights with layovers and different partner airlines, that is not something I would probably ever feel comfortable booking through the portal. I feel like that is just a recipe for like disaster if something were to go wrong with one of those flights. Um, Another thing that people really like to do is with the Capital One Venture Miles, you're able to erase your travel purchases. You're going to get one cent per point value by doing that. But again, it's a super easy way to redeem your points. We personally don't do that. We like to transfer our Capital One Venture Miles out. We all really like Turkish Airlines. Their business class is amazing. But if you want to go, we know a lot of people like going to Disney and they want to use their Capital One Venture Miles to erase their purchase of Disney tickets or Disney hotels. That is totally fine. You do you. Not one size fits all. If your goal is to just get it free and maybe not maximize the value, that is a perfect way to use your miles. So like I said, personal preference depends on what your goals are and there's no one right or wrong way to do it. Okay. Next up, 
another pain point we hear from people is that they worry that they're going to run out of cards. How is this sustainable? How am I going to keep doing this? And the fact of the matter is we've been doing this for six plus years. We have not run out of cards yet. I know people who've been doing this for much longer than that, and they're still getting new cards. So I think to help you with this, to be able to get, you know, the maximum amount of cards, one important thing to know is, or one important thing to do is to have a strategy so you're not just applying for cards willy-nilly. So if you're coming right out of the gates and you're just signing up for cards and you're paying no attention to the Chase 524 rule, you're going to be limiting yourself. You're going to be locking yourselves out of cards. I mean, not forever, but for, you know, some for, you know, 24 months or so. Um, So it's just important to know each bank's rules for reapplying for cards as well. So Chase, for example, for most of their cards, you can get a bonus on the card again, as long as you don't currently have the card and it's been 24 months since you last got a bonus on a card. With the Sapphire Preferred and Reserve, it's 48 months. And so that's just an example of the type of rules to be aware of. And so for us, we can keep circling through these chase cards as long as they keep that rule. Amex is much more strict with a once per lifetime rule, but it's actually more about seven years. And so it's just if you're aware of these rules, you can use those rules to benefit yourself to know how you can get these cards again. So we go into a whole module about reapplying for cards, getting bonuses again on cards in Award Travel Academy Next Level. So if you want to learn more about that, that's where you can find a lot of information. Another thing is in Award Travel Academy, our original, more beginner-friendly course, we also offer personalized credit card strategy feedback based on your travel goals. And so I think that that is something that's really been valuable to students who are just starting out and they think they, you know, sort of get get it, but they want feedback from us on their strategy. And it's not just what card should I open next. I am helping people strategize like how, what cards and in what order they're going to open for the next year or two. And so it's really, really helpful to just lay it all out there and, th- and say, okay, I'm going to open this card and then I'm going to wait X amount of time and I'm going to open this card this is how this is going to affect my 524 status. And I find that that's what I used to do. Like when I was just starting out, I would get a pen and paper and I would sort of just list out, okay, over the next year, these are the cards I'm going to open make sure it all made sense. So that's another really valuable part of Award Travel Academy itself um, that can really save you some headaches and save you from making some mistakes of just opening these cards without regards to the rules. Yeah. Another thing, too, is things are constantly changing in the travel hacking world. And if you're just starting out, this isn't going to affect you right now. But a year from now, two years from now, rules can be could be different from what they are. So for now, you just want to focus on earning as many points and miles as you can with the rules in place now. And then you can always adapt and change later. Another thing, too, is there's always new cards coming out. You know, we last year saw the Venture X come out. And then a few months ago, we had the Venture X business business card come out. And so things are evolving and changing all the time, which 
when those new cards come out, that is great news for us because it just means more cards we can get. So this isn't something that we worry about. I But I get it. When I just started out, I thought, I can't use these points because then how am I going to get more? <laughs> but now that we've done it for a while, that's that's not something you need to worry about. You're going to be able to get more points. And the other thing is like, if you can get, if you can start opening cards and get a year or two's worth of free travel, isn't that better than zero years of free travel? Like, wouldn't you rather just start and get going and opening these cards and earning these points? Like, you can't worry about what's going to happen in two years when you're ready to apply again. You just got to, you just got to do it. Exactly. Um, our last pain point, and this is a huge one. I'm overwhelmed with everything, the earning, redeeming, keeping everything organized, help. We hear this all the time. People who just are like, I don't even know. This is like speaking another language. I don't even know where to go. Number one, start small. Just open one card. Meet that minimum spend. Get those points. And then refer your spouse or travel partner have them meet the minimum spend and just repeat. Just do that. Do those one simple step and don't think about everything else. Start small. It really helps to have a goal in mind. If you know we want to go to Disneyland, then plan what cards you need to get there. Or we want to go to Hawaii. I want my husband and I to go on that honeymoon we never took. Plan what cards you need to, to do for that. I promise you, once you take that nearly free trip, you will be hooked and it will all come in place. So just start really, really small and build from there. Another good idea is maybe not to plan that trip to Hawaii or that definitely not that trip to Europe. But just plan a short domestic trip and try out the waters. Southwest and Hyatt are two of the really easy beginner-friendly programs. And for most people that are so overwhelmed with things or worry about this, it's going to take too much time. Once you've taken that first free trip, they say, oh, yeah, this is totally worth it. I had no idea that this was really possible and they're ready to go on to the next steps. Yeah, that's what I did when I started. I mean, I we started travel hacking out of necessity. And my husband's from Chicago. His family lives in Chicago. And so a lot of our very first trips were Southwest or United flights from Houston to Chicago using Chase Points and Hyatt using transferring Chase Points to Hyatt for her stays at the Hyatt Place that is near his parents in the suburb of Chicago. And I felt like that was a really good way to sort of dip my toes into it. And I find, like you said, I find Southwest and Hyatt to be some of the easier programs to redeem through. We often recommend people start with Chase cards and those are both Chase transfer partners. And so, yeah, you don't have to go into this saying, I'm going to go on this around the world trip and I'm going to figure out how to do it. Like, just go visit family, go on a weekend getaway. You know, it doesn't have to be crazy at first. Exactly. And then, you know, 
sometimes, you know, we'll talk to people and they'll see that we're traveling all over the place. And, you know, you think that our friends and family would all be on board, but then they'll say, oh, I couldn't possibly do that because I couldn't be organized. I don't have time for that. And it just kind of blows our mind because we are going all over the place and it's definitely worth the limited time that we spend. One of the things that really helps us stay organized is the Travel Freely app. We'll put a link in the show notes to that. It helps us stay organized. It keeps track of our 5 and 24. It sends an alert when welcome offer deadline is approaching so that we know that we don't miss it. We hear quite often from people that say, oh my goodness, I missed my welcome offer by $500 or something. And that's really sad. But if you've got the Travel Freely app, you're going to get that alert to remind yourself about that. So just by itself, that Travel Freely app keeps us organized and helps us so much. And then we've got a lot of travel hacking mom resources that can help you. We have a beginner's guide to travel hacking that will set you off in the right direction and uh, teach you quite a bit. We'll put a link to that in the show notes. We have a Facebook group. Our Facebook group has people that know a lot about travel hacking. And so people are able to ask questions and get answers from other people in the group or from from us or from Megan, our... um, moderator. And so that helps people. Then we have two courses. We have our Award Travel Academy and an Award Travel Academy Next Level. That gives people the know-how and the education to feel confident that they can do this. Um, With our Award Travel Academy, we have a personalized credit card strategy feedback that uh, Jess was talking about. So that really sets you off right at the beginning of your travel hacking journey to know where you should go. With our next level um, course, we have monthly group coaching calls. People love these calls because we will pick two people that want to go somewhere and we will show them how they can get there. So if they want to go business class to Barcelona from Chicago, we will show them how to to do that. And um, these are real life examples from our students. What is nice is that the people who maybe aren't taking that trip learn so much about how to book trips just by being there. They don't have to be there that night. We do record it and they're able to view it at any time. And people say this is one of the their favorite features of the Word Travel Academy Next Level. And with these calls too, sometimes we're even learning right alongside or we'll be planning a trip for somebody. They'll say, hey, we want to go to Italy and this is where we want to go in Italy. These are our dates. And we're looking and we're finding these hotels for people. And then we're adding these hotels to our bucket list because we're thinking, oh, wow, that looks really nice. Maybe we should plan a trip there. So they're really fun, not just for the people that we're coaching and the people watching, but we get a lot out of them too. So it's kind of a win-win for everyone. Yeah, not recent. just recently someone was going to Sardinia and it was like, I never even thought about going to Sardinia. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, I want to go there. We found a amazing hotel and we were all excited about, yeah, we're putting that on our list. And then uh, besides our Facebook group, 
that anybody can join. Our ATA and our ATA Next Level have Facebook groups that are just for students. And the nice thing about these uh, Facebook groups is that it's more tailored to people who have already taken the course. And so it's the questions aren't quite so broad. They're more specific and they're really helping each other. And that's really, really nice. And there's also fewer people. And so our main Facebook group, I think we're at around 55,000 people in that group currently. Um, these smaller exclusive Facebook groups have maybe a thousand people in them. And so you are much likely, more likely to get your question answered. We actually, Alex, mostly Alex and I actually chime in on these Facebook groups with feedback or suggestions for people. And so I definitely think if you need a little bit more support or feedback that these smaller Facebook groups can really benefit you versus the huge one. And I just want to say, and and I and I we don't really do a lot of advertising about stuff on our our podcast. We try not to, but we have had just overwhelming responses to our courses, the ATA and ATA Next Level, that people say that it just really made travel hacking digestible for them, and that they felt so much more confident about being able to travel hack efficiently after they took our courses. So, if you're really overwhelmed you might consider this. I know that some people say, oh, but it's so it's expensive. But when you consider it's the price of one domestic ticket, that's not very much to pay. You're going to recoup it so quickly after you use all of the different skills that we teach in our courses. So we know that the idea of travel hacking can seem overwhelming because we were there. It wasn't that long ago that we were beginners and we can totally relate, but we're here to help you. We hope that today's episode has left you feeling a little less stressed and a little more ready to start traveling nearly free. If you're ready to learn more, head to the link in the show notes and register for our free masterclass, How to Start Traveling for Nearly Free. We can't wait to see you there. Thanks so much for listening to the Travel Hacking Mom Show. Make sure to hit the subscribe or follow button from wherever you're listening so you never miss an episode. Want to start jet setting even faster? Follow the links in the show notes to learn about everything we discussed in today's episode. And to stay connected and follow along, follow us on Instagram at Travel Hacking Mom. We can't wait to see where in the world points and miles take you. 